Hey there, friends. Before we get to a brand new episode of the official Do Good Better podcast, we want to thank you, the listener, for subscribing and sharing with all of your nonprofit friends. Most importantly, we need to be thanking the sponsors to this very show. Hey, if you're in the market for a CRM system that makes your life easier, there is no better item in your fundraising toolbox than DonorDoc. DonorDoc is not only the premier sponsor to the show, it is the premier and intuitive CRM system that not only has everything you want, but has zero things you don't. No one needs complicated, especially when you wear 10,000 different hats at your nonprofit. So get DonorDoc and use Do Good Better at checkout and get a month free to try it out. Thanks, DonorDoc, for being an awesome sponsor. Hey, speaking of life being easier, fundraising is not. And as a listener to this podcast, I hope you found some insight and tips and tricks on how to make it a little less challenging. But if you're looking for a more content, more done-for-you templates, weekly support, and a community of other do-gooders like yourself to either commiserate, challenge, co-create, or celebrate with, join Do Good University. Hey, it's our brand new membership site. We have hours and hours of on-demand trainings, exclusive guest expert webinars, and access to the entire Do Good Better crew to answer all of your pressing questions. All of that is for an affordable monthly fee. So visit dogooduniversity.com or click the link in the show notes for details. Hey, get ready for another episode of the official Do Good Better podcast. Welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast, where we help small and medium-sized nonprofits do good better. Join host Patrick Kirby as he chats about the latest nonprofit trends, challenges, and success stories. Plus, you'll get actionable advice to help you be even awesomer. If you're a nonprofit professional, volunteer, or supporter, this show is for you. We'll tackle all the big topics like fundraising, marketing, and volunteer management. Our only goal to bring you the information and inspiration you need to take your organization to the next level. So grab that giant caffeinated or adult beverage and get ready to do good better. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kirby. And of course, we talk with people who are going to help our small and medium-sized nonprofits do good better. Um, If you've been listening to the show ever, you know my heart lives in fundraising events, which makes me a crazy person because events are uh, bonkers and they are a lot of logistics and they're headaches galore, but there is no better place to command the attention of amount of people who need to hear your story and then motivate them to give. If you cram them all in one space, maybe give them a cocktail or two, give them some great uh, entertaining stories of impact, and then you ask them for money. It's great. But how to do that is very, uh, it's difficult. And unless you do it for a number of years, you're kind of guessing and you're sort of confused on how to do that. Unless, of course, you find, I don't, I want to say like you're human or you're like business counterpart in the uh, event industry. Because if you find a company called Do Good Events and your company is Do Good Better Consulting, you have to connect with them, don't you? That's my guest today who's going to help navigate a couple of different things. One, we're going to talk about trends uh, that we're going to see in the future. Number two, we're going to give a recap of the year. We're going to talk about best practices and everything. Kelsey Beach, she's the founder of Do Good Events. Kelsey, welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Yes, it is so fun to be here. And I just love the synergies that we bring to the nonprofit world. So is, this will be a lot of fun. 
It is my favorite thing of all time. Again, start scratching off anybody who has doing good in their name. I'm going to get to globally at some point in time. Um, so let's let's start at the start, uh, first of all. So if somebody's clicking through iTunes or they're uh, on Spotify and they find this podcast and they're like, oh, I want to get all the good and do all of it. Uh, but they might not know about Do Good Events. and They might not know who you are. So at a 5,000 foot view, who are you, what you do, and why are we talking today? Absolutely. So I'm Kelsey Beach. Do Good Events is my business that I started 10 years ago this month. So we are having fun celebrating that. And we focus on nonprofit events. And we really come in as a specialized project manager to take the stress of the planning pieces off our clients' plates, allow them to be the host of their function, and really increase their revenue streams and relationship building. Um, We also really lean hard into the event fundraising strategies and concepts. And those have been ever-changing and quite quite a whirlwind we've had, obviously, the last few years. And as we're back to these in-person events and experiencing post-pandemic life, um, kind of been fun seeing those events. So yeah, we've got an awesome team around us and just love to collaborate and be partners with our nonprofit clients as they strive for some awesome fundraising and fundraising goals. I love that. Uh, Again, as I said at the top of the show, you have to kind of be a little bit crazy to be in the event world anyway. And then you add on top of that fundraising and not just like party planning, right? So what got you into this? Because there's always an adventurous story that says, oh, this is I could do this as a job or a business. And then that story is as crazy as always. How'd you get to this? I love that. You know, we are definitely a story of a door closing and another opening, had a different event position at a, and they laid off our whole city. And I just had a spark. I wanted, had an entrepreneurial bug going, wanted to do help. Um, I really just saw the difference events make in our world. I mean, it's really hence the name of the company as they allow us to make memories, build community, have things to look forward to. And then in the nonprofit space, raise funds for incredible work. So we've been really lucky to weave into those missions of our nonprofit partners and see the incredible fundraising that they get to do and um, what they're able to succeed and do with their clients then. So, you know, it was a lot of bootstrapping 10 years ago and a lot of kind of right place, right time and hard work and right people around us. But yeah, that's I, maybe not super crazy, but it's been really meaningful and fun. I love I, it's uh, it's it's crazy in the best of worlds because there's got you have this wonderful personality that just understands nonprofit work, um, which is which is wonderful. And, and and there's such a difference between hey I'm going to throw a party and hey I'm going to throw a fundraiser, right? Yeah. And, and there's there's definitely a difference between the two, which is why I love your your specialty uh, so much here. So we're going to talk a little bit about what we're forecasting in 2023, some trends you're seeing. But first, I think it would behoove us to kind of give us a where we are now, maybe a recap from 2022. What did you see over the last year that either surprised you or shocked you or inspired you? What is kind of like the, the highlight reel of yes. the past year or so? It was quite the year. I feel like we were sprinting the whole year. Um, It was wonderful to see events coming back, but I also reflect Q1 of 2022, we weren't back. We Mm. were deep into virtual events. We were deep into health safety precautions. We had a few events that were starting to pop back up in person in the spring of 2022, but they were doing so with vaccine checking and different different protocols. Um, And then kind of overnight, it seems like we just turned away from the virtual events. We weren't as concerned over health safety protocols. I mean, we still wanted people to wash their hands and things. We weren't putting out buffets, but we weren't doing vaccine checkings and we were, we were back and 
Folks, we saw many of our summer and fall events that were planning to be virtual drop that model. Um, I think 2022 was the year of replanning a lot, the same event, whether that was going from virtual to in-person, anticipating 200 people and then having 300 seeing costs increase. It was a definitely a year of replanning uh, the same events and <laughs> taking on new spins to them. But while some of that was stressful and frustrating for everybody involved, what we also saw was palpable energy in every event room. Guests were early. They were chatty. They were so ecstatic to be engaged in community. I mean, I think we were just literally so thirsty for it. Um, so that was awesome. And we saw huge generosity. So that was also very exciting. We um, actually, in our 10 years, we had the highest record year we've had of our nonprofit events and the money they raised. We raised over $11 million at our nonprofit events in 2022, um, which was our record and honestly was with fewer events than we've had. Some years we've had more events. Um, so that was awesome to see and just showed that people were ready to be generous again. Uh, it was mostly in giving moments, but some other areas as well. You know, I think we saw, like I said, the in-room palpable energy. We saw budget changes, which I think we'll talk about a bit too in trends. Um, I think a lot of people were really surprised by that, but it was a lot of just fast motion. I feel like our processes weren't really there because we were redefining again, um, but we celebrated mostly in 2022. And I think that was the biggest thing is that we made that curve. We got back together. We all loved it. And the fun showed it. I, I think uh, most people sort of saw uh, their event revenue go up, especially if you did a fund to need especially if you put your, you know, your stories and your impact first. What did you notice about attendance? Because um, there's kind of all over the board, I'm sure, but what was kind of your thoughts on the number of people showing up to these events as it equated to the amount of money raised in the room that night? Yes. Most of our, it, it was all over the board. I would say most of our events had comparable numbers maybe a little bit higher to what they were seeing pre-pandemic. But what was fascinating to me was the no-show rate was exceptionally down. We, I feel like pre-pandemic, most of our events would see a 10 to 20% no-show rate. Most of our 2022 events, even including people who obviously couldn't attend due to illnesses and being, you know, exposures and things, we were seeing more like a 5 to 10% no-show rate. So that to me was a big change. So most of our rooms ended up maybe a little bit higher in attendance than pre-pandemic numbers. And it was most mostly due to that no-show rate um, and people actually being in the room. So that was pretty cool. Um, of course, you know, I'd be remiss to not say we didn't still have that outside participation of people outside of the ballroom. Um, and I think that's a big, you know, as we talk through predictions too, I think we're going to continue to see how do we involve folks. And it's not necessarily the hybrid event that is a live streaming of the program and specialty chat rooms or things like that anymore. I think that we still have a little fatigue on that world, um, but we are still opening auctions early, sending out our program videos, celebrating with our greater community fundraising success versus just those people that are in the room that night. So I think we did continue to see that in 2022 and making sure we were more inclusive and not just involving those that were in the room. Was there anything that never that didn't come back from pre-pandemic that you saw? Like, was there things that just people dropped completely? You're like, well, that looks weird. I was always had fun doing that. Or was there some was there some deliberate change of like you're in you're in the ballroom and again for the first time in a long time? I remember it like this, and that seems to be missing, and it's probably okay. Was there like a one or two things you noticed? You're like, wow, that's weird. I remember this being so vividly in my brain. 
Yes. I think two things pop to my head right away. One is programs are shorter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the lengthy drawn out programs, the long dinner breaks, those kind of went to the wayside. And I think it was good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think people really enjoyed social hours. They enjoyed programs that were really intentional and every minute was meaningful and structured and orchestrated. So that was one big change, I think. The other is I would say reinvention and each event maybe was able to tweak something unique to them and was given an opportunity to like, we don't have to keep doing it the same way we've been doing it because we haven't been doing it for a little bit. So whether that was a social hour that used to start at six and now starts at five because people are coming from home versus the office, or that was, we had one client that always had done a Thursday night event and they've always wanted to try a Sunday afternoon. And now for most orgs, I would not recommend it, but given their audience, they knew them well, it was beautiful. They had huge success with the move. Um, Mm. So I think things like that is the other thing that happened was there was opportunity. And I think we have one more year of this opportunity to sort of recreate what has always been. And whether it's a seismic shift or a small shift, you have this opportunity because guests are not back into like, oh, it was always that way. Uh, Mm. So I think those are the two things that come to my mind. I love that. Well, and what what a wonderful permission to give yourself. If you've been stuck in that rut for a while, you're like, oh, I really would love to do that. Well, here you go. Permission granted. Thanks, Kelsey. You've given us uh, the green light to go. And I think that's wonderful because, you know, you the creativity that you've always wanted to spark but didn't have the opportunity to do that. This is uh, another route, which is great. So, okay. I love this so far. So we're making more money. People are wanting to come back. Uh, we've gotten through, uh, knock on wood, all the worst of the things that uh, could happen. So let's let's put on our uh, our psychic hats for a while, and uh, and let's talk a little bit about what you anticipate will be kind of our trends in the fundraising event communities for 2023. And then we'll kind of take one at a time and kind of explore some of those because I love this is the nerdy fundraising dorky stuff that I just love because I think every nonprofit, regardless of your size, can take an element of some of these things and implement them at your organization, regardless of whatever event you do. So I love it. Uh, floor is yours. What's your first little trend that you're going to predict in 2023? I, see. I started sharing some, but I think one for me is we saw it in 2022. It's going to continue. Everything takes longer everything. Um, and so being ready that vendors are understaffed. So if you want your floor plan where you used to receive it, if you asked for it in the morning, you had it by the afternoon, it may take a couple of days to turn. When you're asking for sponsorships, they're understaffed too, and maybe have more channels of communication to go through. It's going to take longer to get the yes. The auction items, they're taking longer to procure, maybe taking an extra reminder. So I think just being ready for everything to take a little longer uh, is important to account for in your planning process. And I feel like events always sneak up on people, but it's that much more of a reason to get ahead of things. Um, You know, and I think we have another year or so of still feeling kind of some of this accordion effect that happened with events. And as things kind of come back and shift into their new dates and the reschedules start to fade out. But I think we have one more year kind of of some rescheduled things, people still being in kind of quirky spots on the calendar. So capacity at some vendors and things is just really limited. So being prepared for that. Well, I, I like this as a as a starting point because you know it's early in the year. We're trying to plan out what we're going to do, and let's just say you got a fall gala coming up. Your conversations with your committee, with your board, with your leadership team, with your volunteers, with your uh, uh, prior uh, guests. This gives you an excuse, a non asking excuse 
to engage every one of your stakeholders to talk about what you're going to do and plan and submit sort of inquiries and questions and, and sort of engagement in a way that doesn't ask them for money, ask for perspective and maybe even patience. And, and what a great tool to have in your arsenal to reach out and have touch points that have nothing to do with solicitation and everything to do with like, hey, we're thinking about this and we know this is going to take a long time. What are your thoughts? How do we uh, react? And then almost, you know, sort of building your timeline back, you're backing out your timeline and being purposeful with what you can do now and forward thinking. What a wonderful gift that is to just sort of lay out right now. Well, I think Patrick, you bring up a really good point that I started to notice and I think is going to continue. The planning teams have changed. Mm. And so we need to be mindful of that, that, you know, your, your board chair maybe never attended your event before or your, you know, venue staff that you had for 20 years is at somewhere new now. So Mm. I think that's another kind of trend we've seen that we're going to keep seeing that leans into part of this start doing everything earlier is that mm-hmm. there's new players involved. And we all got kind of in some rhythms, I think, of always the continuous same people. So I think that kind of ties into it too. I love that. All right, well, give me another one. Um, I think we're going to really see mindful budgets. We've started to see this, but I feel like we saw more shell shock in 2022 at increased costs. And the reality is, if you hadn't hosted your event since before the pandemic, there was a confluence of events creating quite increased costs. You hadn't held your event for a couple of years. Obviously, we all know that everything costs more right now with supply chain and limitations and all these different pieces and staffing costs. So mindful budgets. I don't necessarily think people are going to be needing to do dramatic trims, but it's things like we were talking with a client this week who's chosen to do electric invite only. We're not going to do a printed invite. It It's not super necessary for this particular audience. And it's a great, easy way to be mindful of your budget and save costs. Those are sneaky expensive. So I think we're going to see things like that happening a lot where we're making wise choices on how we spend our dollars and what impacts guest experience. May I, so, yeah. Yes. And I think we'll see, you know, similarly on the being mindful of our expenses, sponsorships going up. I think we're going to be increasing costs kind of back to that reinvention. Most of our events increased their costs at least 5%, um, you know, as much as 10 or more percent too. But I think just those mindful budgets and awareness. And I think attendees are really understanding. They, they, they're they living in this world too. <laughs> right. Well, I, I, I think I, I love that you brought this up too, because I think we can look at our sponsorship kit and, and increase everything across the board the way that everything is increased. So nobody's going to be shocked at like, what is my cost increasing? Because because eggs cost more. That's right. basically okay. Because unless those go down to 99 cents for a dozen again, we're going to have this thing sitting here. So nobody, I think, would be shocked at that. What I'd love to do is give me your two things that you shouldn't cut. Like if you got expenses to run, like what is the thing you can't? I have my personal opinion. It's sound. Oh, yes. That is the one thing that I have the hang up on the most is like, do not cut the sound in the ballroom at any time whatsoever. That's what you dump the most amount in. That's what I, that's my, my line I won't cross ever. But do you have one that you just like, don't cut this because this is, this is great or this is necessary. For a successful funders event. 
No, I, you're right. I mean, obviously the audiovisual things that are related to your program in that moment that people connect to you. Um, right away, I thought actually like your your software, your mm-hmm. mobile bidding, your registration, right. whatever that might look like for you. But the thing that communicates to guests so that they arrive hassle-free, the thing that also helps to raise funds by sending them text messages, you know, whatever that looks like for your org, there's obviously so many great tools out there. But I think that's another one that's really important. And there's such a variety of price points out there too. But I think that one strikes me as pretty crucial. Um, mm-hmm. But I think what you're alluding to and is spot on is that people don't really notice the food. I, music is nice, but they don't overly notice. You know, there's things like that. And I know every organization is going to have their hot spot and what the committee chair really wants to see. And every year you're allowed to have one sort of splurgy thing, I think, um, you know, but I, really being mindful of what that is. And you can't have 20 splurges. You ju- it just it doesn't work. And quite frankly, it'll probably end up offending somebody in the audience if you do. Right. Yep. So be intentional on those thoughts. I love that. All right. Give me another one. This is, These are great, by the way. This is just, great. I love these. Seem to be like not even out of the ordinary projections, but I think I love it because people can be like, okay, I can do something about it. These are tangible things we can yes. always do. Wonderful. All right. Another one. Let's get it. Um, yes. We, I think we're going to start to see some capacity issues. Hmm. And within this, you know, we started filling it with a few of our, I would say more kind of momentous events that are in the Twin Cities in 2022. And they were starting to hit capacity. People were so excited they were their event was back. And so now they were trying to tweak floor plans. And you can start to hinder guest experience if you're trying to cram too many people into a room that can actually fit. So I think it's thinking about your event. And I think we're going to see people handle it by adding some ticket types. Maybe it's a VIP hour and that gets some folks into the room early or into a separate space. We're seeing a few after parties with you know young professional tickets coming back, things like that. I also think, I don't know if this will be the year for it, if we need a little more time, but I think we're going to see nonprofits deciding to host more events specific to their, to like the audience. Your gala might be your loyal followers. Your walk run might be a pipeline builder, things like that. And I think we might start to see some of that shift happening as well. And that may help with some of that mindful budget and capacity piece. So that's a couple of thoughts kind of within this capacity and audience specification trend. I think we're going to see. Yeah, I I like I like the idea of personally I like if you get to a capacity issue raise prices because right. you, you'll 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 uh, you'll eliminate some people make more money on the uptick anyway because those that are gonna the ticket price are gonna be fine and again it's a fundraiser not a party for whatever so if they're gonna get out uh, the ones who are maybe not bringing money to the table and that's kind of fun and then but again I love you what you said offer more events so that those who may not feel like they're this is their thing can still do something with your event. And I like this idea too, which which is it's being purposeful with your connections, right? This young professional event may not like this black tie gala because it's not, you know, Gen Z or cool enough. So do something here that's for your your specific donor base that engages them in a very purposeful and meaningful way that's you know cognizant of their likes and and dislikes and and uh, and needs and wants. It's so true. You know and I think maybe in this too we were seeing this pre-pandemic and maybe it'll come back this year but is hosting events at your site. And mm-hmm. so I think, you know, maybe that becomes the easy, low hanging fruit, not expensive. You're mm-hmm. able to invite that. Yeah. Maybe it's the young professional or your board members to each bring a guest and you have some beer, wine, cheese crackers and you host in your space. I think people are always 
naturally curious. So we're always interested in getting to people's spaces. And for many organizations, they have really neat spaces to host in or a warehouse space to host. And that is equally unique and brings people into the fold of the mission. So, you know, kind of within all of that, maybe we'll see some of this coming back too. I love it. All right, let's get a fourth one. We've got it takes longer. We got to be mindful of budgets. So we'd say, hey, there's some capacity issues. Anything else we got for you? I would say we are going to see more intentional, but fewer revenue streams. I I think we were seeing people, let's host the wine plane. Let's have a raffle. Let's have an auction giving moment. Yep. And people are burnt out on having too many offerings or at the golf tournament, having every other hole, let's get out $5. And so I think we're going to see people shifting and just being really intentional here. And part of it's that auction items, wine, you know, any items you're using for revenue generating are a little harder to procure right now. Um, You know, everyone's still rebuilding. And going back to what we said about that palpable social energy at cocktail hour, folks aren't visiting every corner of your cocktail hour space like they used to. So what do you want to draw them to? And being, you know, I I think an auction and like one fundraising game, perfect. But we don't need to do a bunch. You know, at the golf tournament, we're seeing a lot of folks move from games on many holes to the player's card, right? Let's, at registration, you spend $25. It gets you access to the five games out on the course, but you don't have to open your wallet again once you're out there. So I think making some of those little shifts uh, and just really doing them right versus doing a whole bunch. Um, I've always liked to say, are you garnering a new dollar or a substitute dollar? And being really intentional on that piece. Well, and I like that because when you're having a conversation with your individuals who are coming to your event, it doesn't take you an hour and a half to describe what's going on. We have two things this year just to streamline because we think that your time is valuable and I don't want to explain 97 ways on how to play, you know, Plinko over there on top of the the wine toss over here. Like it's, there's too much. And I think you you get to now say, we are going to talk about this and this is what the program is going to impact. And we, you know, are cognizant of your time and your money and your uh, brain power. Like we just want you to have a great time and support us and go. I, that frees up so much uh, mind, you know, numbing things you have to explain and then re-explain and then type out and then get an air. Oh, I, I love, I love that this, this, I can endorse this trend <laughs> a ton. Yes. I, I love that. Awesome. All right. So uh, our final trend, what are we, uh, what are we predicting from do good events yes. uh, for 2023? You know, I shared it as something that we were seeing in 2022, but I I think it's worth repeating. And that is continuing to be inclusive to our full audience Mm -hmm. and finding ways to envelope everybody into the event. Um, You know, and I think the easy ones, you know, opening your auction early, inviting people, maybe there is an online viewing, but I think like right now we've got um, a school coming up with a fundraiser and they are selling lapel pins the week of their event and trying to involve more students and families. And, you know, there's a thousand students, but 200 families will go to this event, but celebrating auction week, celebrating gala week. Um, So maybe for a group like that. So I think thinking through those things, selling raffle tickets ahead of time, share, you know, maybe you go live in your program just for even that little brief amount of time. Like we mentioned, I feel like we put so many resources into our program videos. So how can we use those more and share them out? Um, I think we found, you know, in the pandemic, every organization found somebody who geographically mostly was super interested or had been invested in the organization, but had kind of fallen off 
off the radar and came back into the fold. And then I think in 2022, we put a lot of focus on that in-person audience. And now we need to meld it a little bit and make sure we're not missing some of these new new constituents or refound constituents that we found with the, you know, kind of the virtual tour off virtual offerings we had in the pandemic. So kind of continuing, I think, in building on that, but being really mindful of these various audiences. And maybe it is even a specific virtual only event that's for your out-of-state audience and going back to that other trend of audience specification. But I I think this is going to be a big one to start to lean into and put some energy into. Well, I love this too, because it takes the the pressure off of you need to do everything within a four-hour window at a event. It allows you then to continue the conversation afterwards to talk about the impact. And then you say, it's a flashback or it's a, a throwback time or, hey, remember when we did this? To remind people, A, of how great of a time they had, they'll probably get it shared a little bit. So it's constant contact or a constant content rebuilding and reusing where, again, like you said, these videos are very expensive to put together. So why would you put this in a vacuum of the one time? Um, you can. There's a lot of opportunities to continue that conversation going forward. And that's what you want to do too anyway, because when the event is over and you say thank you, you don't want the next time you talk to some of these donors when you're trying to sell them a ticket at the event the next year. Exactly right. This this allows you to be purposeful and mindful, which you've used these words lovely, uh, because that's what you should be doing throughout the entire year from these same participants who've helped you out. That's right. That's right. Awesome. I love it. This is one of my, again, as a true event, uh, obsessed human being in the fundraising world, this is like my... Uh, my my escape for the morning when we're recording this is, I is a conversation. I just absolutely love it. Um, first of all, thank you uh, so much for your time. Second of all, um, if you are Do Good University members, uh, now Kessie's going to come back and join us and hop in to talk about the three things you have to do to be successful in your fundraiser. What you have you aren't you aren't members that. Do good you will get on the waiting list and click the links below, dang it, in the show notes, because um, this is where our guest experts really shine and, and give some really added value because you know you want to hear more. My goodness gracious, your notepad is probably full of these brilliant little nuggets of information. How do we do it even better? Well, join us at Do Good You. Because I know there's going to be a lot of people who either have questions, who, who wonder if they can uh, have a pick your brain moment because this type of brilliant sort of uh, projecting into the future and just the amount of experience you have doing some of these events, but they might not know how to get a hold of you. How, how do they get a hold of you? Absolutely. Well, I would say first, our website is www.dogoodevents.com. We send out a monthly newsletter and highlight our events, and we always try to highlight a tip. So I would highly recommend checking out our newsletter, but you can also email me. and I'm happy to always do a consultation with anybody and provide a couple of tips and tricks at that time too. My email is Kelsey, K-A-L-S-E-Y at dogoodevents.com. So we are yeah, always trying to share some stuff out there via that newsletter and our monthly blogs as well, but always happy to hop on a phone call and see what we can do. As always, we're going to have uh, all those links in the show notes. So please go out and check Do Good Events. I mean, it's it's like it's like the best resource hub for like the best name of an events company <laughs> that one could even ask for. And by the way, if you haven't subscribed to this, uh, please do. Yeah, you know you want to hear more of this and get reminded that these awesome... Uh, uh, Podcasts are coming out. Uh, Kelsey, thank you so much, uh, not only for what you do, but your your sort of leadership within the industry and, and really talking about how 
these events can be maximized for a nonprofit of any size. I know that anyone who's listening, whether you're a one-person shop or a 20-person university system is going to take away with some nuggets here that are really going to help you fundraise better in 2023. So thank you very much for that. Uh, But most of all, thank you so much for being a guest here on the official Do Good Better podcast. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, friend. Fundraising is hard. And as a listener to this podcast, I hope you found some insight and tips and tricks on how to make it a little less challenging. But if you're looking for a lot more content, done-for-you templates, weekly support, and a community of other do-gooders like yourself to commiserate, challenge, co-create, or celebrate with, I want to invite you to join Do Good University. It's our brand new membership site. We're going to have hours of on-demand trainings, exclusive guest expert webinars, and access to the Do Good Better crew to answer all of your pressing questions, all for an affordable monthly fee. So visit dogooduniversity.com or click the link in the show notes 